0: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles Peter preached to the Gentiles I began to see how true it is that God shows no partiality rather that any person of any nationality who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God this is the message God has sent to the people of Israel
1: the good news of peace proclaimed through Jesus Christ who is Savior of all you yourselves know what took place throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee with the baptism John proclaimed. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how Jesus went about doing good works and healing all who were in the grip of evil because God was with him. We are our witnesses to all that Jesus did in the countryside and in Jerusalem finally jesus was killed and hung on a tree only to be raised by god on the third day and christ commissioned us to preach to the people and to bear witness that this is the one set apart by god as judge of the living and the dead to christ jesus all the prophets testify that everyone who believes
0: has forgiveness of sins through this name Peter had not finished speaking these words when the Holy Spirit descended upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who had accompanied Peter were surprised that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on t- onto the Gentiles also, whom they could hear speaking in tongues and glorifying
1: God. Then Peter asked, what can stop these people who have received the Holy Spirit, even as we have? from being baptized with water. So he gave orders that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. After this was done, they asked him to stay on with them for a few days. This This is one one of our our sacred sacred stories. stories. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God.
0: Over a hundred years ago, The President of the United States was prepared to make a statement in front of a crowd of thousands. He meant for his speech to be inspiring, a statement on the redemptive power of sacrifice. And many thought that he did just that. Others, not so much. The next day, readers of the Daily Patriot and Union in Pennsylvania picked up their papers to read the following review of the President's speech we pass over the silly remarks of the president. For the credit of the nation, we are willing that the veil of oblivion shall be dropped over them, and that they shall no more be repeated or thought of. The President, Abraham Lincoln. The speech, the Gettysburg Address, November 19th, 1863. This underwhelming review caught national attention 150 years later in 2013, when the Patriot and Union, still a functioning paper, publicly retracted their statement. It's funny, isn't it, how two different people can look at the exact same thing and see something so different. It's like that old picture of the rabbit that could also be a duck, or the duck that could also be a rabbit. Were the president's remarks a powerful and unifying speech, or were they the empty rhetoric of a vain tyrant? I guess I should amend what I said, shouldn't I? It's funny sometimes how we can look at the same thing and see something so different, because at other times it's downright horrifying. Gender, for example. A biologically rigid identity or a set of pliant social expectations, brown skin, a value-neutral genetic difference, or a threat of some kind. Whatever it is we're looking at, it's our perceptions that are everything. Our story this morning picks up right after Peter has had this dream. In his dream, all kinds of animals, clean and unclean, come down from the heavens in a sheet, and a divine voice says out of nowhere, Peter, kill and eat. Well, having been conditioned his entire life to see eating particularly animals as unclean, immoral even, Peter refuses. His perceptions are stronger even than the reality in front of him. And so God corrects him. What I call clean, Peter, let no one call unclean. And then Peter wakes to find a messenger at his door, inviting him to their master's house where many are gathered to hear Peter preach. There is one small catch, however, which will test whether or not he will heed the voice in his dream. It is an audience of Gentiles, as unclean and immoral to Peter as the animals on that sheet. Still, he grits his teeth and he goes, careful not to touch anything, as he enters the home of his host. He tells his story, he preaches his sermon, and he's ready to call it a day when, to his surprise, the Gentiles before him start bearing the fruit of the Spirit just as he had not that long ago. The Spirit of God falls on them without discrimination or condition in a way that even his own people would not allow. And as Peter looks at the scene around him, he throws up his hands and he lets his perceptions disappear into the ether. Who has any right to dam up the waters of baptism, he asks. If God is in them, Who would dare exclude them? Before the distrustful eyes of Peter was the very body of Christ, but through his own perceptions he could not see it. Before the skeptical eyes of that journalist from Pennsylvania was a speech that would go down in history, but through his own perceptions he could not see it. It's enough to make us wonder, isn't it, what's happening here, right now, before our own eyes that we just can't see. When we practice letting go of our perceptions, the reality before us may be much better than we imagine. The problem, which hasn't changed over the centuries, is that we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. We let our perceptions get in the way of seeing the truth. Take Peter, for example. The story he's been taught about Gentiles is that they are uncivilized and uncircumcised, ignorant masses that know nothing of God or God's anointed. The Bible clearly says that it's wrong to go into a Gentile's home and that they are to have no part in the covenant. When Peter looks at these people, he doesn't see them. He sees his own idea of them. And it's not so different for each of us. Each of us looks out into the world through a filter of our own perceptions, the stories and definitions that our minds have settled on to make things more manageable. These perceptions are our inheritance, just as Peter's were his, passed on through generations and gleaned from the circumstances of our lives. We cling so tightly to them that we're willing to fight, sometimes to kill for them, but as a wise teacher once said, every perception is a deception. There was once a young girl climbing a tree. She was quite impressed with how high she'd managed to get. She placed her foot carefully on one branch below her and reached up as high as she could to take hold of the next one. Suddenly, however, she recoiled her hand as though she'd been burnt. Wrapped around the branch above her was an angry green snake. The girl very nearly fell, which may have killed her from that height, but she managed to grab a hold of another branch just in time. Holding perfectly still, she tried not to panic. At last, she found the nerve to start climbing down, but before taking that first step, she risked one more glance up at the snake. But as soon as she looked, she suddenly felt quite foolish. The only thing wrapped around the branch above her was a vine, and it meant her no harm whatsoever. As silly as it may sound, how often do we do the exact same thing, projecting all manner of fear-based perceptions onto our world, onto our future, onto the people that are around us? How much time do we waste being afraid? When we could be contributing to the good with ease, all because we cling to perceptions which are, in fact, deceptions. Like Peter, we let our perceptions get in the way of seeing the truth. This tendency, far from being just a philosophical exercise, has consequences, and not just for our own well-being. The vine from the story obviously doesn't have feelings, but what if it did? When we look at the world through, our, through the lens of our own perceptions, then we cause others to suffer. How many centuries of exclusion had the Gentiles faced in Israel? How much stigma was put against them and all who came into contact with them? We remember the story from last week about the Ethiopian eunuch who traveled so far and yet was not even permitted to enter the temple. Going further back, how many had lost their lands and lost their loved ones at the end of an Israelite sword for no other reason than the Israelites' perception of them? How might Peter's audience have felt as this teacher that they respected entered their house and looked at them as though they were untouchables to be avoided. I'm reminded of the cultural shockwave that made its way through moderate Baptist churches after the Supreme Court overturned the Defense of Marriage Act. I worked in a church at that time, and while I watched the world celebrate, I watched as churches began to circle the wagons. Can we become welcoming and affirming of LGBTQ plus members, they began to ask. Is it possible that God could bless an LGBTQ plus union? Churches, including the one that I worked with at the time, began holding seminars and group discussions to ask these questions, pulling from biblical and historical sources, making rational and logical arguments one way or another. But among those having these conversations, conversations with little to no LGBTQ plus representation, by the way, there were some who were making a different point. There were some who stood up and said, look around, look right in front of you. These children of God, whose value you're debating about. They are the very ones serving the vulnerable, loving their neighbors, lifting their voices for justice as God has called them to. The Spirit of God is obviously in them, bearing fruit. But you all are so blinded by your perceptions that you can't see it. Who has any right to dam up the waters of baptism? If God is in them, then who dares exclude them? It's the same egoic pattern that blinded Peter, and the same pattern that manifests as racism and sexism and xenophobia and fodder for all manner of political fires. We not only find ourselves trapped by our perceptions. But finds that our perceptions are trapping others. When we look at the world only through the lens of our own perceptions, we cause others to suffer. But, of course, there is hope. History, and indeed, this very community is full of people who have come into awareness of their perceptions like a fish might come to become aware of water. And through practice and through experience, they've learned to let those perceptions go. If we can keep our hearts open, then any illusion can give way to reality. Peter, thank God, was open. He was able to see the evidence right there unfolding in front of him, the people bearing the fruits of God's Spirit right before his eyes. How on earth could he say something as ignorant as, God doesn't love these people, or God's Spirit isn't in these people, or these people cannot be a part of our group because they're Gentiles? To put himself against them, he sees now, is to put himself against reality itself. There once was a king in a region that is now India, and the Buddha had several monasteries in his territory, and they had long since gotten along. But one day, it came to the king's attention that the Buddha had allowed an untouchable into his community— a night-waste collector, no less. The king was disgusted and he was outraged, so much so that he ordered a chariot to be prepared to take him to the Buddha that very day. The king intended to rebuke the Buddha, to warn him against such impurities and immoralities and to remind him of the God-ordained social order. As he entered the monastery, however, he was stopped for a moment, arrested by... The teachings of a young monk standing in a courtyard and preaching. And the king stood there for some time, just spellbound by this monk's wisdom and insight. And he wondered to himself why the Buddha didn't stick to such high-born sons and daughters as these for his disciples. Well, he marched to the Buddha's hut and delivered his speech just as he rehearsed it, and the Buddha listened calmly. And when the king was finished, the Buddha said, Come. You may inform the untouchable of your concerns yourself. The king then followed the Buddha back into the courtyard where the Buddha introduced him to the same young monk who had so captivated him only moments ago. And the king bowed his head in repentance and humbly he let go of his perception and entered into a new relationship with his people and his kingdom. This is what experiences outside the norm can do to us. Peter had his dream, but for the rest of us, this is the function of community, and it's the function of listening to others' stories. It's the role of prayer and meditation to open ourselves, to become more aware of our place in the world and our perceptions, to understand their limits, and to learn to let them go in favor of reality's beautiful, inclusive fullness. If we can practice keeping our hearts open, then any illusion can give way To reality. So, people of God, let us be mindful like Peter. Let us become mindful of our own perceptions that get in the way of seeing the truth. Let us be mindful of the ways that we cause others to suffer at the hands of our own empty judgments. Let us be mindful that if we're open, there is no illusion from which we cannot wake up. Who has any right to dam up the waters of baptism? If God is in this world, then who dares exclude any of it? When we practice letting go of our perceptions, the reality before us may be much better than we imagine. When we practice, we find that we live in a good and abundant and a beautiful universe, and we find that it is all God from start to finish, and the kingdom truly is at hand all around us right now. People of God, may it be so. Amen.